the alleyoops at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. Chad is already going. Todd and Russell are in there now. Jason as well, letting everyone know what's up. Todd says trade Sermon. We're going to get into that. Todd also says trade a backup linebacker if Burke's knee checks out. And Russell Peterson says any early transactions. We're going to get into all that right now. This is going to be a fun episode. Let me know what you think about the roster predictions along the way. I think we're going to have some fun. I'm excited about it. Uh, and you know, I, I've got some interesting ways that I'm going about this. What's up, Luke Luna? What's up, Paul? What's up, Kali? Welcome to chat. I'm excited about this one. So I went ahead and was trying to figure out exactly how Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch are going to attack building this roster. We do know they've done a few interesting things along the way in other years. Last year, I'm going to kind of foreshadow last year, of course, Maurice Hurst makes the initial 53-man roster. Niners keep 11 defensive linemen. Then shortly after, Maurice Hurst goes to the IR, and then they bring back Jake Brendel. That's a little foreshadowing of what you're going to hear from some of these moves that I'm going to be talking about. I believe the 49ers will make, um, but we'll have a fun conversation about it. And of course, just like always, if you have questions, leave them in chat. Today, we'll be a little bit more you know, talking about these positions. So uh, if, if you want to put an emphasis on it, like you want it to get answered right away, of course, you can always super chat. That is available to you. If not... Uh, I'll try to get to as many as I can. That, that'll be the goal for today. So I'm really excited about this, um, but it's fun. And, and thanks, Luke, so much. He says he's tattooing and listening. Won't much have input, but here to support. Really, really appreciate that. And what's up, David Williams, as well? I hope you're having a good one. Michael Humphrey, always good to see you there. Twisted Clown, love it. I haven't seen Twisted Clown in a little bit. Welcome back. This is going to be fun. Let's get into this a little bit. We're going to be going through each position and going over who I believe the four years are going to keep. It's going to be interesting at some spots. Please don't get mad at me if we don't keep a player that you really want to keep because I did try to figure out how the 49ers could you know, work this and finagle this. And, of course, I'm going to start at the quarterback position because why not, right? I mean, there's been so much conversation about the quarterback position, and I believe the four years are going to keep two. And uh, those quarterbacks are going to be Trey Lance, of course, and then Nate Sudfeld. I think they will keep Sudfeld. I think they believe they can get Brock Purdy to the practice squad, which means they're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think finally, you know, the rubber meets the road. You can no longer keep him because you need that roster spot. They go ahead and release Jimmy Garoppolo on August 30th. They may not. I mean, they may decide to wait longer. And if they do, I don't know what they're going to do with that roster spot. But I figure this is the time they finally move on from Jimmy Garoppolo get somebody uh, else on this roster because they do you know, have guys they want to keep. They don't want to lose anyone. And I think that's how I have it playing out. But what do you guys think about the, the wide receiver, or, I'm sorry, the quarterback room uh, right there with that thought? I, I just think that's how they're going to go. I think it's going to be you know, those two guys. I, I know Brock Purdy had himself a really good preseason, but I think that around the league, there's probably half the teams that would actually still be interested in him. And then, then they might have backup quarterbacks already. So I think there's a really good chance Brock Purdy could get to the practice squad. I thought he had a good showing this preseason. So 
but you go with the veteran, you go with Nate Sudfeld, the understanding of the offense, the command of the offense, uh, the relationship with Trey Lance already. I think you just stick with that. But you don't want to lose Purdy, but you're hoping he gets to the practice squad. Uh, so so that is. And and Paul says, we must remember that what we want as fans is not always equal what's best for the Niners at Shanahan. We must trust. And that's true. Um, that's what happens. I think, um, you know, a lot of times as fans, we want to do it one way, but you know, what this team is going to do is going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. And so, um, Mike says they better cut Jimmy injury. I think, I think they're going to cut Jimmy. Uh, I, I think they are going to release Jimmy. This will be the time they'll go ahead and get it done. Um, <laughs> twisted clown says the way this year has gone, is it too crazy to see Jimmy G still there? No. I don't think it is crazy. I, I honestly don't think it's crazy. I think this is the time. John Lynch kind of alluded to that on KMBR. This we're we're approaching the time of Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, finally moving on. Of course, Adam Schefter, uh, you know, Kirk Herbstreit. We're kind of alluding to maybe getting Jimmy to take a pay cut. I don't think Jimmy's going to take a pay cut. I still believe he thinks he can start out there. I don't think Geno Smith getting named starting quarterback of Seattle. Makes me believe that Jimmy Garoppolo, if he was released, wouldn't be the starting quarterback of Seattle the next day. Um, so that that doesn't really, you know, impact this decision at all. But I think that's how I'm leaning right now. And I think that's how most people lean that Jimmy Garoppolo finally, you know, gets released. The 49ers move, you know, move on. I think they were hoping they were going to get compensation for him, but it doesn't work out. Now, another one that's going to be interesting is this running back room. And I've already seen people in chat talking about Jordan Mason. And I did something interesting, which will all come out along the way, is I do believe, like a lot of people in chat, that if Jordan Mason is is waived, that he's going to be claimed. I think Seattle would claim him. I think there's a lot of teams around this league that would claim him. He's played well enough. Well, I have the 49ers keeping six running backs, and I never thought I was going to say this, uh, but I think they're going to. I think they're going to cut Trey Sermon, and I think they're going to keep everyone else. Elijah Mitchell, uh, uh, TDP, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jamichael Hasty, and Jordan Mason. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk. I think they find a way to work the, the roster to be able to keep these guys. I don't think they want to uh, lose any of them. One of them could end up on IR shortly after, but I think it's a way for them to get these guys on the roster. I think the only one, you know, they move on from Trey Sermon, even then they don't want to. So I went ahead and kept those guys and kept Jordan Mason, which was hard, you know, working this roster to be able to finagle and keep a extra running back. It wasn't easy. Um, but I just felt like there was so much talent there. How are you going to move on from Jordan Mason in the way that he had played so far? So I just wasn't ready to do that. Uh, Mike Thompson talking about the quarterback. We'll get to that in one second. Um, and then Ronnie Montoya says, Ant, why is the team bringing in a tight end for a workout? That's a good question. You know, they're also bringing in guards as well. Um, I think when it comes down to it, they're still, build, they're still bringing in guys that they want to take a look at for the practice squad. You know, what happens if they release some of these players and they go other places or, you know, they get claimed on waivers? you got to still build that practice squad, bringing in, you know, somebody like, um, you know, the, the guard that they're bringing in. I think uh, that's you got to bring him in. You got to bring in tight ends. You got to bring in all kinds of guys. You're trying to make sure you keep a Rolodex of players um, that we are ready to go in case you lose a bunch of guys. Because so far, through the first two waves, they've lost a lot of players. And I think that's how they would would do it. and um, but I think that, you know, maybe you go that way. And Kali says, yes, Sermon isn't a fit for our run scheme. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, Hugh Wilkins says, it sounds like they will bring in another O-lineman, either via a trade or free agent signing. McGlinchey's a big question mark. I, I'm with you on that. And I'm looking forward to getting into the offensive line in a second. So running backs, I did keep the extra guy. 
Um, and and Hugh is saying, I think Hasty gets cut. His value is a third down back, but Wilson can do that. I'm with you that Wilson can do that. But Jamichael Hasty put together such a fantastic preseason and training camp, and his pass protection has been so good. The 49ers aren't going to want to lose out on him, and, and Kyle's been talking about it. I think you're right that they probably could do that. So that is a possibility. And that might be a way to finagle the roster to make it work. Big Papa says, Ant, what position group are you shorting to take the six running backs? We're definitely going to get to that uh, here in a second because we're going now to the wide receiver position and I'm keeping five. And I've been consistent about this all the way since we first drafted Danny Gray that I believe they're going to keep five. And that's Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Dewan Jennings, Danny Gray, and Ray Ray McLeod. I think... You know, there has been the conversation about keeping six, and Malik Turner uh, has done a really good job of, you know, put making it so you would think, oh, you got to keep him on the team. His special teams is so much. Uh, he adds so much in that area. And also, he's a pretty good receiver. And if you were keeping six, he would be. But Kyle Shannon doesn't normally have six wide receivers active for games. So it makes sense to me to keep five. You would have them active for games. And then you would go ahead and have a couple of guys on the practice squad. You could always bring one of them up. They could practice with your team. And that's the thing. If Malik Turner ends up signing somewhere else, you do have other guys because you brought in a Willie Sneed. You brought in a Marcus Johnson. So you have other capable bodies as well. Plus, there's a plethora of other wide receivers around the league that are going to be released and going to be available that Kyle Shanahan could use. So I think keeping five is one way that helps you keep an extra running back. Uh, that's number one. Um, so I just thought that that was the way to go. Mike Thompson disagrees. He says Turner will make the team just for special teams. Uh, I think just from things that that you know Kyle has said in the past, he doesn't like keeping guys just for special teams. They have to be able to add on offense. Now Malik Turner can do that, but we've seen it last year. You know Trent Sherfield was a wide receiver that helped on special teams, but not much on offense. You have guys already on offense that are going to help you with your special teams. Jawan Jennings, a big time special teams player. Ray Ray McLeod, big time special teams player. Um, Danny Gray is going to also be asked to do some kick returning, I'm, I'm sure, at some point. So these guys already help you a lot on special teams. Keeping another guy, um, you might be able to get that just out of your linebacker room. I do like Malik Turner. I think he's one of the better special teams players in the entire league. But you invested in George Odom. You invested in Oren Burks. Uh, you've brought in guys to play special teams. Can you afford use another roster spot on Malik Turner? Not sure that is a possibility. Um, and Mike says Hasty and Turner both make the 53. Maybe they will. Um, maybe they will. And Paul is right, you know, about Hasty looking really good. He did the same thing last year and then kind of faded. Maybe this will be a different year for that. Uh, but you just never know. And I agree, Mike. He is a good wide receiver. I have I have no doubts about that. It's just are you willing to keep a good wide receiver as your sixth one when you could have a Marcus Johnson? Or, you know, um, Willie Sneed sitting there on your practice squad ready to go, um, who are both special teams players as well. They do a really good job. So I, I think that that's just, you know, something that goes into it. Um, so that's what I decided, to keep five. Could be wrong. You know, and Malik Turner makes this roster. I won't bat an eye. It won't surprise me one bit. Because this is how I think Kyle Shanahan is going to do it because he wants to keep players in other areas. I mean, they could easily walk away, like you said, from Jermichael Hasty. Jordan Mason, those are possibilities in the running back room. I, I don't think there's no clear-cut answer. This is just what I think they're going to do. And even then, it was it was, it was was tough to come up to that conclusion because it's tough to walk away from players uh, or to make things happen. Here's the tight end room, and I've been hearing everyone talking about 
you know, the Dwelly Croft uh, argument. I got them keeping three tight ends, George Kittle, Charlie Warner, and Tyler Croft. And I know a lot of people are going to say it should be Ross Dwelly, and that's okay. I think that Tyler Croft has just been more consistent throughout the entire training camp and preseason. I know that Ross Dwelly had a really good performance in the last game. I was very excited about it. I thought he looked really good. Um, but from what I've seen from Tyler Croft, Tyler Croft consistently getting the first team reps when George Kittle wasn't practicing at, at training camp, and then him also having a pretty good preseason makes me believe Croft is the guy. He's more uh, you know, balanced as far as he can do both. Uh, he can block. He can receive. He's just an all-around good tight end. Plus, he's a big tight end. He's got more size than Ross Dwelly, which means he could be a bigger red zone threat. So I like going with Tyler Croft. But it was not it was not easy. I mean, I think Ross Dwelly's done a very good job of really pushing the you know pushing this conversation. I just think the things that Kyle Shanahan said, the guys that they brought in, they brought in to push Ross Dwelly and Charlie Warner. I wish we would have got a full off season of Charlie Warner playing as well, so we could have seen how he had progressed in the in the passing game and receiving. I thought he's he's looked okay, but he's one heck of a blocker. So I, I went ahead and, and went, you know what? We're going with the Charlie Warner as the blocker. Croft, he's more balanced like George Kittle. He's got the experience, played with the Bengals, played with the Bills. Um, he, he knows what's going on out there. And I thought overall he just looked like a very savvy veteran through all the practices and all the preseason. Um, so I, that's kind of where I'm going. And uh, Paul says, Dwelly's blocking last year was abysmal. Uh, in the words of the great John Chapman, it, it really was. Dwelly struggled. Um, and Russell Peterson saying Dwelly had his chance. And I think that's what Kyle was alluding to. These guys are really going to have to show out. I thought they had good performances, but not quite good enough to overtake uh, Tyler Croft. I think once he got up into that spot, oh, no, I, I think it was, it was really time. You know, Croft just held on to it. Now, offensive line is a little interesting, of course, because you have a lot of young guys. You worry about losing guys like Jason Poe or Nick Zakel if they're released. And then you've had you know veteran players like Justin Skule, Keaton Sutherland, who haven't lived up to expectation. How many offensive linemen do you keep? Uh, you could keep eight, and if you keep eight, you're probably getting rid of one of your really good football players. So I have them keeping nine. I have them keeping Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Daniel Brunskill, uh, Mike McGlinchey, Jake Brendel, uh, Spencer Burford, uh, Colton McKivitz, Nick Zakel, and Jason Poe. So I, I was able to keep Zakel and Jason Poe going with nine. I did not keep Justin Skule. I don't think he played well enough. I thought Keith, Keaton Sutherland really struggled. I got Daniel Brunskill coming in and being able to do whatever you need. If something happened and Brindle wasn't able to play, you could easily throw uh, uh, Brunskill at center, and then you know, you're, you're ready to go at another position. But Brunskill has the versatility to play all five positions. That's something you potentially have with Zakel as well. You don't want to lose that. I think you keep him just so you can protect him. You don't want to lose him. And Poe is, he's played really well. Uh, so being able to keep Poe and keeping those two guys developmentally is important. You're probably going to be able to get Justin Skule to the practice squad. You could obviously get Keaton Sutherland if you wanted and Donovan West. So I think those are opportunities for the 49ers to keep their young players while still having the savvy veterans that they need to make things happen. So I think that that's how you use uh, you know that offensive line position. Uh, it is a risk keeping nine. You could potentially lose out on another spot, but I'll explain it a little bit as we go down the line of how we make this thing work. You know, Russell saying we O line we only have one starter. It it's possible depending on how they use 
you know, some of these other players. And it's not easy when you're building these rosters, you know, and, and putting together a team, you know, building guys in certain spots. It's, it's tough. It really is. You know, who do you cut? You know, who do you, uh, who do you bring back and all that? But you don't want to lose your investments in young players. Nick Zakel was in a six round investment. Um, so I did release J- uh, Jalen Moore as well. So Jalen Moore is a candidate for uh, the, the practice squad as well. I thought, Coming off the injuries, he just struggled a little bit. I think he's getting the the Colton McKivitz uh, treatment. So, I mean, I think that could be the one. You have Jalen Moore, Nick Zakel, and Jason Poe, I think are the ones that uh, you know, you're, you're trying to make a good decision about. So would you guys release Jalen Moore and keep the other two? You know, And what's up, David Campbell? Welcome to the chat. Um, that's it. You know, Jason is saying we need to trade for Isaiah Wynn. Maybe. Uh, McKivitz played like crap as well. He shouldn't make it. He did not have a really good preseason game. He didn't. But he had a fantastic training camp. I was there every single day, and his reps were consistently good. Trent Williams worked with Colt McKivitz consistently every single day. Uh, Extra work on his reps. I think those are... Um, some of the things I was excited about. And I thought he had good reps. He was pretty consistent overall. Uh, and, and that was nice. And David Campbell says, Jalen Moore looked worse than any of the linemen versus the Texans. He did. I don't think he's fully recovered from the injury. I don't think he showed enough to, for another team to claim him and want them on, want him on their 53-man roster, which means he can get to the practice squad. I think that's what they do with Jalen Moore. It's the Colton McKivitt, uh, McKivitt's effect that happened last year. Maybe at some point he does help the 2022 team, but I just don't think so. Sean says, I'm starting to lose hope. It's, it makes sense to Super Bowl 47. It's been close, but no cigar. Can't keep guys and and, and, and that click. But um, I get what you're saying. And Luke says, Poe can easily make it to the practice squad. There's no investment with him. He's undrafted. You could be right. You know what I mean? It could be him. And they could easily go with Jalen Moore as one of those offensive linemen and not keep Poe. I think they would, you know, there potentially is a lot of teams around this league that wouldn't want Jason Poe because of the length issues. So he is a a smaller offensive lineman compared to everyone else in the league, which could scare a lot of teams off. So maybe Jason Poe doesn't make the team. I think it was up in the air between Zakel Poe uh, and Jalen Moore, and I think those could go a variety of different ways. And however you saw it uh, is is right. And longtime Niner fans on it just train more as guard. I think so as well. Um, yeah, so I think I think so. And then. Hughes says, Poe has been a great story. I agree that he makes the team. It's impressive that he'll beat out guys that are more highly regarded to him to start camp. And I saw the progression. When he started with the third team, beginning, worked his way up all the way into the second team reps. And I thought he really settled in. And he did a lot better in pass protection and practice than I ever thought. And then he had that second game against the Minnesota Vikings where he really settled in. Uh, The first game against the Packers, a little bit struggling in pass protection, but came back and responded in a high at a high level against Minnesota. So you're at least excited about his potential. And I think anytime you can keep potential on the roster, you do it. And what's up, Jay Hill? Welcome to chat. Always good seeing you there. Um, so now we get to the defensive line. And um, so far we kept 25 offensive players. So 25 offensive players, pretty even split. Here's where it starts to get interesting. Okay, here's where we get interesting. And we go through some of the Kyle Shanahan uh, sh- shenanigans, as we would be. Uh, on the defensive line, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Drake Jackson, 
Samson Ebucom, Kamoko Ture, Jordan Willis, Charles Aminahue, Hassan Ridgeway, and Kevin Givens all make the team. That means you're going ahead and you're cutting Alex Barrett, Kevin Atkins, and Akeem Spence. Also, Kerry Hyder. Uh, I would normally have kept 11 defensive linemen. I would have normally kept Kerry Hyder. But I'm Kyle Shanahan, and I've went to Kerry Hyder, and I said, you know what? We want you here. I've got Chris Kassarek next to me. We want you here, Kerry. We want you on this football team. But we need to go ahead and release you until we can move other guys to the IR, until we can move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And when we do, we're going to bring you back. We want you on this football team. And Kerry, because he's had more than four accrued seasons, he's a veteran in this league, says, okay, coach. He takes a little bit of a break. He's off for a couple days. And he comes back to the 49ers sign, similar to the way the 49ers handled it last year with Jake Brendel. Uh, and with um, Maurice Hurst, and also with Dante Johnson. Johnson, of course, didn't make the initial 53. Signed to the practice squad, was eventually signed to the main roster. I think that's what they do here with Kerry Hyder uh, to be able to keep guys in other areas. But people were asking me earlier, um, what are you going to do with the the running back room? Uh, and, and how are you keeping an extra guy? And I think that's what they do, is they go ahead and do that with Hyder. And I got a reason and a way that they're going to be able to bring Hyder back, because we do have some injuries in the 49ers secondary. And we can talk about those as we're moving through this you know, this roster. But uh, with Hyder, I mean, he really is one of those guys that's loyal to Chris Kassarek. You can't do this with any any player. Uh, but Terry Hyder wants to be here. He's playing for the league minimum. He understands what the 49ers and Chris Kassarek do for him. So you go ahead and you you bring him back, you know, at a, at a at a nice rate, you know, maybe not the league minimum now. And I think that would be a nice move for the 49ers and a way for them to keep some of their young players so they don't lose them. Can't do this with all kinds of guys, but you can do them with certain guys. And I think Kerry Hyder fits the bill of a player that the 49ers can definitely approach and make this happen. And yeah, you know, on right off the bat, and what's up, Mr. Corey? Right off the bat, you think, oh, no, Kerry Hyder. But I like Kerry Hyder. Um, in in any world, I think Kerry Hyder deserves to make this roster. So I would I, I think that he does deserve it. He knows he deserves it, but he also understands this football team and what they need to do to be competitive. And he's trying to win. What is up, Lou? How's it going? Welcome to chat. And Lou, you missed a lot. Like a whole lot. Uh, because we're on defense right now. We're talking about defensive line. And just to give you the cliff notes. Uh, we kept two quarterbacks. None of them were named Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, we kept six running backs. We we're able to keep Jordan Mason, and we moved on from Trey Sermon. Uh, offensive line, we kept nine, and we were able to keep Nick Sakel and Jason Poe uh, on the on the roster. So we've had to work out another way, and one of those ways to work this roster was to initially release Harry Hyder with the thought that we're going to be able to bring him back. And I think that he would come back if they worked out this so 10 defensive linemen for the 49ers with a thought process being Kerry Hyder will be back. And we'll get to how he gets back uh, before week one in Chicago here in a second. For the linebackers, uh, this one was easy. It's five linebackers. To me, it, it's been clear cut the entire training camp, all throughout everything I've seen. There were young guys that definitely pushed to make this roster. But I just think these other guys are just so good. Fred Warner, of course. Dre Greenlaw, Aziz Alshire. Those are, are three of the best in the league, and it's one of the best crews. And then you have Oren Burks, who they say he's going to be ready by week one. Since he's going to be ready by week one, he's going to be on this roster. Of course, you'd have to carry him past the 53 anyways. So he could be one of those guys that you went ahead and put on temporary IR and brought Kerry Hyder back 
if you needed. I don't think he will be that guy. I think he'll be ready to go. They want him on special teams. And then Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, who had probably his best preseason of his entire NFL career. I think he's the fifth guy. So it's tough. You're walking away from three very talented linebackers and Curtis Robinson, uh, Saguna Luby, and Marcelino Mercury Ball, which is difficult. I think all three of them could be prospects for your practice squad and prospects for your team next year with two of them potentially being good enough or even all three to make your team next year with so many decisions that need to be made. Trey Greenlaw, these Al Shire could both be gone next year. Maybe one of them will be there. Uh, and then Demetrius Flanagan Fowles could be gone as well. So I think that those were the guys that, you know, just felt the most comfortable. Uh, Flanagan Fowles deciding to play Mike and being able to play it at a high level made a lot of sense. Uh, and, you know, and Mike is saying, hey, Ball makes it. I love Ball. Um, I, I, to me, McCurry Ball is one of my favorites. He's athletic. He, he runs around. His run fits got tremendously better. Um, he's like farther along than Marcel Harris was playing linebacker. I love him. The problem is, I don't know how he beats out Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Uh, if Fowles gets traded, then that that would work. If he got traded, then McCrary Ball could step in, be that guy, play special teams, and that works. But I think without Demetrius Flanagan Fowles getting traded, I think that's where you're going. So, uh, so far, that's kind of how we're moving. These guys are really good, and Flanagan Fowles has gotten so much better. And he was McCrary Ball. You know, he was that guy that came in with a safety that came in and had to battle his way to learn how to play linebacker. So uh, that's where we're getting. And Golden Dragon says it would make sense if we trade Dre Greenlaw. I don't think they're going to trade Dre. I actually wouldn't trade Dre Greenlaw. I wouldn't trade Aziz Alshire because I want the best possible starting unit I can get because I want to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, yeah, and Jason is right. What about trading someone like last year with Griffith? I was a big fan of Griffith. And the trade to Denver, they went ahead and swapped some picks. So the Niners ended up getting a six-round pick, giving up some seventh. It was it was a, a lot of movement to that to that move, but they could definitely do that. Are they willing to do that? It would have to be probably Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. I don't think Curtis Robinson showed enough during the preseason because of the injuries to be able to be moved. I don't think they really want to trade a McCrary ball. Um, so I mean, yeah, somebody could come calling and there could be a trade of these linebackers because I think they're really deep. I think they would love to keep more. You just don't have the roster spots for it. Um, so, and Hugo G says, how many uh, practice squad again? And do they still have uh, the C-19 rules? There is uh, 16 practice squad spots. You're able to keep six veterans and the other 10 have to be uh, guys, you know, with uh, three or less accrued seasons. So you can't have, you know, too many veterans on your, on your practice squad. And you're allowed to protect four each week. These guys are able to be elevated three times during the year. Those are the practice squad rules, very close to the COVID-19 rules uh, that were implemented. They've only tweaked them a little bit. So the practice squad will be pretty deep. It's just how many guys are going to be available. I think that's why the Niners are working out guys, making sure like John Miller, and then somebody brought up earlier that there was a tight end that could potentially be uh, you know, coming in for a workout too. That's smart because if you make your move, Tyler Croft, if he got cut, he, could, he would sign somewhere else. Ross Tool, if he got cut, he could sign somewhere else. So you need to make sure you have guys that are able to go, you know, able to play for you if they get released. Some of these guys may have already indicated to the team they won't be on the practice squad. That happens from time to time. Uh, but so far, so good. So 10 defensive linemen, five linebackers. That's 15 uh, players so far on defense with the thought process being Kerry Hyder comes back uh, at some point. And, and here's how Kerry Hyder comes back. Because I think the 49ers are going to keep six cornerbacks. 
Carverius Ward, who returned to practice today, which is great news. Emmanuel Mosley, who came back last week. Ombre Thomas, yeah, he hasn't had the best preseason or training camp, but he's going to be on this roster. He's a third-round pick who played significant time last year. They're not moving on from him yet. Yamato Lenore, who's had a fantastic training camp and preseason, has showed versatility to play inside and outside. That's a solid move. Samuel Womack, of course, he's probably your starting nickel corner. And then the sixth guy, Quantrez Knight. Uh, by keeping Quantrez Knight, you do have to cut Dante Johnson. You're cutting Tariq Castro-Fields. Pagar Holman already got cut today. That was a move that happened earlier. He's gone. And, of course, veteran King Crowley as well that they brought in once they had the injuries. I think he'll get moved as well. And then we'll see what happens to him. He's a seven-year vet, so when he gets released, he can decide to go wherever he wants. Dante Johnson, of course, usually ends up on the 49ers, so more about him. Now, here's where Kerry Hyder gets back. Ombre Thomas has been dealing with an injury off and on. Uh, this would be a good opportunity for the 49ers to go ahead and put Ombre Thomas on the IR, uh, bring Kerry Hyder back, uh, and and just you know that you got a lot of versatility with Yamu Lenore and Omak to be able to play inside and outside. Quantrez Knight can also play that nickel corner spot. So having those guys, you're able to roll with five if you want, uh, but that way Omri Thomas can get fully healthy, and also you can try to get this guy uh, to a better spot. Um, so you could go ahead and do that, put him on the IR, and I think that would, you know, that short-term IR would give him a lot of space to be able to make some things happen. Lou says, do you foresee any trades on our team happening before the cutdown or an O-lineman? I think there is a slim chance that could happen. I just don't know who's going to be available. Uh, once we know who's going to be available, I think that will make more sense. Avatar says, we need at least one good guard and some deal before the start of the season. I don't know if that deal is out there. If it's out there, I'm sure they'll go look for it. Uh, and Lee says, give me money and no first-round pick. Make it difficult to make a trade for win-level player. I'm with you. Minus them having a player right there they tremendously like. Uh, and then Castro Fields outright cut. Yeah, I think so. I think Castro Fields gets cut. I like Castro Fields, but he gives up a lot of receptions. Um, he's struggled with tackling at times. I didn't think it was his best showing. And to me, he didn't look like a 4-3 guy on film. Now, I think Castro Fields being on a practice squad for a year, I think he could come back next year and compete at a high level. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up making the team next year. But he could also get claimed because I think there's going to be a lot of value for him around the league. The 49ers have a very good cornerback room. If this was last year, three Castro Fields would make this 53-man roster. He's, the, he's that, that much better than some of the guys were last year. I just don't think that's in the cards this year. Uh, so that's kind of how I'm, I'm seeing it play out. Uh, from the 49ers and Mike says can't wait for Tuesday less questions that's the truth we're, we're gonna know pretty soon and then Lou says I like Johnson as a safety cornerback saves a spot and that's what we're working towards because now we got the safety position um, and the safeties of course you have to keep Jimmy Ward even though he's gonna end up on the IR you have to keep because he has to be a, you know on the roster as of August 30th once he's not you'll put him on IR but then Tauno Hufanga Carverius Moore I know some people don't have on the roster, but I'm keeping him on the roster. And then George Odom. Uh, Odom is a, a guy that's played pretty consistently at safety, but a really big-time special teams player as well. And then so that means you're cutting Taylor Hawkins, which I didn't like. He's been one of the star players for me. Him and Quantrez Knight out of the undrafted free agents were my star players. Uh, when I broke down their film, I thought both of them had a chance to make this roster. All the way back, if you go back on the May 3rd video, I talked about Quantrez Knight pushing to make this roster, and I talked about Hawkins being better than Leon O'Neill Jr. Uh, a lot of people gave me pushback on that, but I still believe that he is, and I think the Niners would love to have Hawkins be on the 
the practice squad, and I think he will. And Gibson, he got here for a week. I think it was mainly take a look at him through you know, that the practices and through that preseason game. I don't think he ends up sticking. Now, here's what happens. I think when Jimmy Ward goes on IR, I think they bring back Dante Johnson. Johnson slides in, and he's the fourth safety, but has the versatility, like Lou said, to play corner. I think that's the best situation for the 49ers, especially when they're going through uh, the first four weeks of the season. Eventually, you're going to get Jason Brett back. Eventually, with the way I'm saying, you would get Ombre Thomas back. But I think that's how they handle it. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially because they have so much trust in Dante Johnson. So uh, that's how I would go about it. And of course, your specialists are Robbie Gold, Mitch Wisnowski, and Tabor Pepper, which I don't think are very surprising at all. Um, so that's kind of how I see the roster going. And Mr. Course says, there's a place to find good old linemen. It's called the draft. Yeah, and you know what? That doesn't come around again until next year. Uh, Golden Dragon says Tariq Casterfield runs a legit 4-3-40. I have no doubts that he does. Uh, no doubt that he runs a legit 4-3-40 and straight ahead. I just, uh Jason says they are going to cut Womack. He was a way to fifth, LOL. That, we know that is a joke. Uh, well well played, Jason. I, I like that. That was funny. Uh, Hugo says, damn, there's going to be Miss Ward. I don't trust Hufanga just yet. Keep DJ. Yeah, I think they're going to keep Dante Johnson after. I think he'll come back. He he understands the process, right? This guy's been in the league for so long. He The 49ers can work with him. They can cut him, and then they could go ahead and bring him back in the Jimmy Ward role. You know, I mean, he could come back in, and he's got a lot of potential, but he's been nursing an injury, of course, so it wouldn't surprise anyone if he got cut. Uh, and, and Lee says, if Target's cut any interest, I'm tremendously interested. I would bring him back in a, in a heartbeat. I'd be willing to move on from a Tavarius Moore in that situation because I trust what Tart can do compared to a lot of players. So I, I think so. I think I would definitely be in that. Lewis is in your recap. Let me know the offensive lineman you are keeping, please. Yeah, let me let me go right back to that right now. That way I can let you know. If you guys have any questions as well about the breakdown of what I did, just go leave it in chat. I'll try to get to it. If you have any questions, of course, we'll get to those uh, because I think it's a, a fun conversation. But offensive linemen are Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, uh, Daniel Brunskill, Mike McGlinchey, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, Colton McKivitz, Nick Zakel, and Jason Poe. And uh, Jalen Moore got released or cut or waived. I don't think he'd be claimed, but I think it would be Jalen Moore, Nick Zakel, and Jason Poe. The way you work those guys could go a bunch of different ways. Uh, they could easily walk away from you know two of those guys or just one of them like I did. I thought Moore's performances, the way he's been injured, would make teams kind of more fearful about bringing him in uh, the fact that he doesn't look like a traditional tackle it, you know the other guys have kind of figured out where they're going to be as interior offensive linemen already so a change of position might scare teams off as well I thought he was the one that was most likely to get to the practice squad that's why I went ahead and went that way plus the Kel taking some snaps at center he could eventually be the replacement for Jake Brendel but you don't have to rush it because you have Daniel Brunskill that can do it all uh, so I just thought it kind of fit that grouping together Keeping nine offensive linemen is kind of what I thought they were going to do. That way they would be able to, to keep those guys. Um, so I, I think that's how they kind of go. And uh, Lee says, the barnacle. You're spot on there with the barnacle. I love that. David says, the only thing that, uh, that survives the apocalypse is Rats, Cockroaches, and Dante Johnson on the Niners. He definitely does. I mean, he's on this team all the time. Um, uh, and Mr. Corey, you're saying Ant, they, they don't keep Zakel over more, and you know it. The thing is, is, is I'm not even saying that Zakel is playing that good. Uh, that's not my argument at all, Mr. Corey. My argument is who's going to get to the practice squad. And I think Jalen Moore has the best opportunity. Remember, it was last year 
that Colton McKivitz was the one that was released and he got to the practice squad. Sometimes when you have these guys and you're not sure what position they're going to play, you go ahead and do that. A lot of times when you have a rookie, though, that is released, you have a, le a lesser chance of getting. That's why I think Tariq Castro-Fields might end up getting claimed because there's a lot of teams that liked him. It's more fresh in the brain. Where Jalen Moore is a year out. Uh, Jalen Moore hasn't put together you know great film as an NFL player. Zakel hasn't had as many reps. So I think that is one of the things I'm looking at when I'm deciding who I'm going to keep on this roster because my goal is to keep the best 70 players or the best 69 players total. And some of that is getting them to the practice squad. So looking at your roster, who can I keep on the practice squad and who do I need to keep on my roster so I don't lose anyone, I think is a focus. Because if you get Jalen Moore to the practice squad, you can make him a protected player. So I think that's some of the reason I made the decision I made. Uh, if, if you told me like I had to decide to come down with eight guys, I'm probably going to release Nick Zakel. I, I think he hasn't played to that level. But I look at young potential. I want to keep Zakel. I want to keep Poe. I want to keep more. And this is a way that I could keep all of them. I think that's what Kyle Shannon and John Lynch are trying to figure out. How can I keep all those guys? So I was trying to kind of channel my mind into what to think what they would do. And this is just kind of what they've done. A little bit of a trend. Colt McKivitt's second year, fifth round pick. Hasn't played up to potential. Cut. Practice squad. Galen Moore, fifth round pick, hasn't played a potential cut practice squad. That's kind of where I'm going. Where last year they kept Moore, who was a rookie. So there, there you see where I'm kind of going. I'm just going with the kind of the thought process of how this front office usually handles these situations. And that's where my mind was at. And what's up, David Villa? How's it going? And Jason Hill says, amazing how Moore dropped off last year, talked about potential right tackle filler. Now, bye-bye. It, it's similar to Colton McKivitz, right? Uh, 2020, Colt McKivitz is drafted. The 49ers have a third-round grade on him. He could potentially be the left tackle starter if they don't trade for Trent Williams. Then the next year, gone. Uh, so then he comes back. So, uh, yeah, and Mr. Corey says, I've been so disappointed in Jalen Moore. I thought Moore has, you know, had some struggles. I fully expected him to play well, better this year, but I also expected the report from uh, Matt Mayoko for him to go ahead and play guard i mean that was the whole conversation during the offseason we were going to continue with that transition for Jalen moore to play guard i think injuries on the outside might honestly hurt his development so i mean yeah when when i was thinking about this and mike thompson said good reasoning i was trying to channel john lynch and kyle shannon and am i going to be wrong on a lot of these i probably will be wrong because i don't think anyone knows exactly what kyle shanahan thinks as much as we try to uh you know really watch what he does and think uh, the way he evaluates players is different, you know, and some people really don't like his evaluations. Others love it. I think there are some positions just like Bill Walsh or any coach, some positions they absolutely just understand and hit every time. And I think that's a lot with the front, you know, the front offices. Look at linebackers for the 49ers. Absolutely kill it every single time. You wish you could do that at every single position. You'd have just an all-star team, right? Same with defensive linemen. I think that, you know, certain um, front offices and certain coaches these certain players in certain positions are better than others. So you see those, those strengths. Uh, so you're hoping that other, the front office can balance your strengths and weaknesses. I think that's what they're trying to do. So we'll see. Lou says too bad. Moore has been hurt a little lackluster. I think the injury did hurt him for sure. Uh, because I think that if he would have been healthy, you know, he could have bounced back from green Bay. He could have had a better performance. The problem was the Texans game was not good. And it wasn't good for a lot of offensive linemen. Um, but yeah. And then Paul says, I think Burford's emergence hurt uh, more chances. Burford, he came on the scene and he played at a high level. 
I've been excited about Spencer Burford. And I think Burford, you know, I'm not even going to go on. I, I know I know he looks like he's going to be the starting guard, but anytime Daniel Brunskill's still there, you just don't know for sure. Now, I would love to go into the season with Burford being the starting right guard because if Brunskill and Colton McKivitz are your first two backups in, that's great because that means if something is going on with Mike McGlinty and he can't play, maybe he ends up on the IR for whatever reason, uh, you could plug Daniel Brunskill in at tackle. Brunskill can do it. He can play any position along this offensive line, which means you still have Colton McKivitz to be the swing tackle. That's good depth for the 49ers. Um, so I know they're young. There's going to be growing pains. Aaron Banks, Spencer Burford, probably going to struggle a little bit. Uh, Brendel's going to struggle when he gets somebody in his face, especially somebody that can drive him back. I don't know how he's going to anchor consistently. But if the 49ers understand the weaknesses of the offensive line, you can find ways to alleviate that and use their strengths, their quickness, uh, their agility to help you. So hopefully they'll figure that out. And what's up, Brad Jones? Welcome to chat. Uh, yeah, and then Mike Thompson says, we will all be wrong in some way. Absolutely. A long-time Niner fan says, my understanding, if correct, another team takes an unprotected player on a practice squad. Must have a place for that player on the 53. Is that but Yeah, that's true. Uh, so a lot of the, if they claim these players, they have to take them. So if they, if they like Brock Purdy, for instance, if he gets weighed by the 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals uh, take him, he has to be on their 53-man roster. So that's why some of these players are going to make to the practice squad. So when you're looking for, you know, players, you have to look for landing spots for them. That's why I worry about certain offensive linemen because there are some offensive lines around this league that would love to have a versatile player like Nick Sakel. Uh, that's part of the reason, you know, another reason to think about who would get claimed and who wouldn't. And, you know, it was horse on slightly offsides. He watched the Minnesota Vikings broadcast and they were talking highly of Nick Sakel. So maybe other teams around the league are thinking a little bit more about Sakel or other players uh, around the league. Lou says people have been clamoring for guard to be picked up, but I'm more of, uh, of the idea of we need a right tackle it all depends on McGlinchey, and I don't know what the medical looks like. Uh, I think I do feel good with Daniel Brunskill playing right tackle. I don't know if there's going to be a right tackle available that could slide in and do the things McGlinchey does, but I do know what Daniel Brunskill can do playing tackle because I saw it in 2019. He came in there and played for McGlinchey. He did a really good job. And then when Skule was struggling, they flipped him to the left side, and he handled that as well when, uh, when they still had the injury to Staley. So I know what Brunskill can provide to this football team. And I think I'd be okay with it because he's a really good run blocker and he's tremendously athletic. So I think he would give us a, a better version of what we got last year from Tom Compton. Do I want Mike McGlinchey? Yes, because I think McGlinchey being a right tackle with Trent Williams on the other side gives us those bookend guys and to create some stability along this offensive line. I think that would that's what the 49ers need. They need that chemistry and camaraderie. And plus, McGlinchey's one of the best run blocking tackles in the entire league and the Niners need to get the run game going. But... Um, you know, there, there's still some decisions to be made all along this offensive line, which is, it's tough. And Mr. Corey says, Banks was my breakout player on offense, and that'd become on defense. Hey, don't give up on Banks yet. Don't give up on him. He's been consistent through the preseason. I know he's had a couple of struggles here and there. Uh, he's not going to have any flashy plays, but just don't give up on him yet. I think he can still develop into a really good football player for the four years. Let's see what he does after four or five, six games in the league. Uh, maybe he's going to surprise some people. I think he will when they start scheming things up. I think they're going to alleviate some of the pressure on this interior offensive line by some of the scheme things they do, moving the pocket, getting the run game going, using these guys to get to second level, double teaming at the point of attack. All those things are going to help this offensive line. So 
A lot of times you can scheme up ways to help your team until they can get better. Knowing what their weaknesses are and scheming to their strengths is important for a play caller. And that's who's going to know their strengths and weaknesses on the offensive line better than Chris Furster. And he's the one that's handling the run game. So I think we're, we're going to see it. Uh, they haven't schemed. They haven't really prepared for these other teams. We'll see what they do for Chicago. I'm kind of excited about that. Elisa is not the ideal O-line set up for the for two-start, 23-year-old. Uh, it, it's not. I mean, it, it, you want to start young guys on the interior offensive line. No, right? You wanted to have veterans. But at some point, you have to have these times where you completely have to go in there and add new guys. Now, they could easily go with Daniel Brunskill at guard. And if you go with Daniel Brunskill at guard, then you're only really having the one young guy in Aaron Banks. Uh, Brendel, of course, has been in the league for six years, not as much of a starter, but that would give you more of a veteran-laden offensive line and a lot of you know, a lot of snaps in this league as starters. It would just be Banks that has Banks and Brendel. Uh, so you could easily do that. Who knows if they actually will? Brad Jones says, do you actually believe the report that the Niners are seriously considered keeping Jimmy as a backup to Trey, or do you think that's a last-ditch effort to drum up a trade interest in him? I think it's really what it comes down to is a lot of people – um, trying to figure out what's going to happen with Jimmy and with there being not much of a market out there, saying that, hey, this might be the only way. Now, if Jimmy Garoppolo really felt that there wasn't a market for him as a starting quarterback out there, yeah, I mean, he could come to Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch, or they could go to him and say, hey, you want to you want to take a pay cut, stay with the team uh, as a backup quarterback. This gives you the best opportunity because you already understand the offense, you know the locker room. They could do that. I don't know if Jimmy wants that. I've always said, though, and if Jimmy had a choice to be a backup somewhere else or here, he might choose here. Uh, so that could still happen. But I think it's it's more of the media trying to drum up some more because you know, they were talking about Trey not looking so good. But I think that's where it comes from. Of course, the 49ers would love to have a trade market for Jimmy Garoppolo. I just don't think it exists right now. I think these teams are content uh, with calling the 49ers bluff and seeing if they're going to cut him. And if they cut him, they're going to pounce, but until then, they're just going to let it happen. They really want to get anyone up. And what's up, Roy Farmer? Uh, just subscribe. Thank you so much for joining the Cutback Crew. Enjoyed your comments that you left the other day. Uh, really, really nice having you uh, leave comments. And now in chat. Awesome. Thanks, Roy. Uh, I'll get to your question in one second. I want to get uh, to what Kali said. He said, Ant, do you have Jordan Willis making it? I do have Jordan Willis making it. I think they're going to keep 10 defensive linemen initially on the 53-man roster. Uh, they'll cut Kerry Hyder, release Kerry Hyder, and then Hyder will come back when they make some other roster moves. I think that's how they handle it. If they have wiggle room, I think they keep Hyder and they keep 11. But I have Jordan Willis being one of those guys that for sure makes it. I think he's just too versatile, and I think they're going to play him on some on the inside as well. They want to keep this defensive line together. Four interior offensive linemen, seven edge rushers with Kerry Hyder, Jordan Willis, Charles Amenahue, you know, all these guys being able to slide inside and getting snaps, especially in nickel situations. I think they can help stop the run because those guys are not small and they're really good against the run at the point of attack. And Roy says, what do you think of the Niners record this year going to be? I think we're looking at 11 or 12 wins. I, I think that's kind of a realistic point of view. I think there's going to be ups and downs for Trey Lance, ups and downs for the offense. I think the defense is going to keep the Niners in a lot of games, but they also play a lot of tough teams. Of course, all that could change with, you know, even the teams that are playing suffering injuries. All of a sudden, if you have an injury at the quarterback position, one of these other teams, your team is, you know, less difficult to defeat. So I think there's, you know, lots of things that play into this and lots of parameters. But I think 11 or 12 wins for the 49ers uh, seems realistic with them playing the tough AFC West, uh, the NFC West with the Rams, you know, the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I think they can definitely get to that. 
I would love to see them win 12 or 13. I think 11 or, 11 or 12 is the most realistic. for them. Uh, Lee says, what other options does Jimmy have? He might not have any, but we don't know what some of these teams have told his agent because the 49ers did allow him to go out and seek a trade. So his agent has been openly talking with you know all the teams around the league. So he might know that there's a team that's interested in saying, hey, we don't want to trade for Jimmy, but if Jimmy gets released, we would love to sign him. I mean, that, that, that could be done. Um, and because they've been allowed to have conversations and talk contract because of restructures and stuff, they might have really, uh, really good parameters on what that deal would look like. So I think sometimes, you know, these agents already know what's going to happen. And maybe Jimmy doesn't want the 49ers to trade him. He wants to be able to pick where he wants to go. Those are things that are going to get figured out here pretty quick. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it gets decided real quick for the 49ers and they get some of this stuff figured out. Cause, uh, We've been, we've been kind of waiting for them to come to resolution on that. Mr. Corey says they've over-invested in the D-line and under-invested in the O-line. All these uh, late-round picks and undrafted guys, they were just looking for depth. Could be. I mean, uh, a lot of their investment, though, in the defensive line hasn't been as far as money uh, because a lot of these guys are in on cheap deals, right? Kerry Hyder, cheap deal. Jordan Willis, cheap deal. Charles Aminahue, rookie deal. Uh, Samson Ebicom, he's probably got the biggest deal out of all of them. Javon Kinlaw, he's on his rookie deal. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of players that are in there on cheap deals. Kamoko Ture, cheap deal. So it's not very much different than the offensive line. The offensive line just has more young guys. But you have a heavy investment in Trent Williams. Uh, Bosa's on his rookie deal, and he's the best player. You have a, a decent investment in Mike McGlinchey. I think if you really looked at it top to bottom dollars-wise, it's probably not that far off. Uh, I, I think that there's been a steady investment in both sides of the football. It's just one side, the offensive line has gotten younger a lot quicker, but here it comes. I mean, here comes Drake Jackson. Next year, you're going to have edge rushers galore that could be gone. Charles Aminahue, Samson Ebicom, Jordan Willis, uh, Kamoko Ture, all are going to be free agents. So you might see that youth movement happen on the defensive line next year. So, I mean, yeah, looking at it, it, it could look like that investment hasn't been spent, but really it has. Um, I think that, you know, and the, Mr. Corey said the entire D-line is a free agents except for Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw, and Jackson. And that might be your starting defensive line next year. Could be. Brad Jones says, have you been able to watch film from the Texans game? Was Trey that horrible, everyone said, or was it because more did the offensive line to make like two throws? I think it was a combination of both. So I don't think Trey Lance was horrible. Do I think he had a bad game? Yes. Do I think he missed some reads? Yes. Do I think he threw to some people he should have? Yeah, it just didn't work out. Maybe the throw was a little off or whatever. But I thought overall, kind of what I expect from a rookie quarterback, once again, right, you're not having an ultimate scheme. Kyle Shanahan's not scheming it up. You're just expecting Trey Lance to make a read. One of the biggest conversations has been since Kurt Warner got involved, I don't know if anyone's seen that on Twitter, was about the, the, the go route to Debo Samuel with Brandon Ayuk coming underneath and open underneath. Everyone's saying you need to throw it to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, but Kurt Warner's exactly right. I mean, to me as a coach, my coaching point is always you're you're not reading the receivers. So if you think the quarterback is looking for the receivers, he's not. He's looking at the defense and he's expecting his receivers to get to the right spots. So you have a one-on-one -on -one situation because that safety had cheated a little bit and is late to react to getting over the top on Debo Samuel. He's wanting to react on that over-the-middle play because that's what the 49ers do. He's wanting to take away Brandon Ayuk. You have Debo one-on-one -on, -one on the on the outside. You take the you take the shot. Now, was it the greatest throw? No. Uh, Debo Samuel with the ball a little bit farther downfield. Maybe he scores a touchdown. But you want him to take those shots. Now, if that safety went over the top, 
then he's going to come down and he's going to hit Brandon Ayuk for the first down. It's just the concept that Kyle Shanahan had ready for that moment. Uh, yes, Ayuk was open, but so was Debo Samuel. In any world, you get your best wide receiver one-on-one -on -one down the field, you're taking that shot. Uh, so I didn't really have a problem with it, but that's been a huge conversation on Twitter recently. Let's see. Lou says, if Jimmy restructures contract and we keep him, and somebody gets hurt during the year, can we still trade him to another team, especially if the contract is better? Just a thought. Yeah, you can definitely, he can take a pay cut. He can restructure. You could still move him. Uh, so you could do a lot of things with Jimmy Garoppolo. If they decided to keep him on the roster, you could definitely move him at a, his prorated salary during the season. That is completely possible. Uh, just you're using a roster spot for him. You know, and that's the thing, right? If you do keep him, let's say you moved Nate Sudfeld, you got rid of Sudfeld. Uh, at some point during the season, you traded Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's your backup quarterback? That's your. That's one of the decisions you have to make. You have to decide if if that's worth it. Um, and what's up, Gary? Welcome to chat. I hope you're having a good one. Um, looking at all these. What's up, Raphael? How's it going? I appreciate you telling everyone to like and subscribe. Subscribe. I really appreciate that. If you haven't already liked and subscribed, please do. I really appreciate all the support. Uh, it means a lot to the channel. And, uh, you know, you guys helped us get over 3,000 uh, subscribers. Getting to 3K has been uh, really fun. And thanks so much to everyone that, you know, said the nice things about it. We're looking forward to continuing to grow as we continue the conversation with everyone from the Cutback Crew that comes in. And and Roy, one of the newest of the Cutback Crew, says, what if we keep Jimmy till the middle of the season where a team and a quarterback that we can get, you know, uh, draft picks from? Um, it's possible. I mean, there's going to be a trade deadline that comes up during the year. So, I mean, yeah, you could hold on to him, which means you're holding on to that money. But what kind of restructure could you work on? You know, could you move some of his money? I think those are big decisions. And then when you get to that point, the team might be willing to trade you draft picks, but what financial obligation do they want you to continue to have? I'm guessing that they'll be willing to give up a higher draft pick if you're going to keep a lot of that money. Ordinators have to decide if they want to give that you know financial restriction to their team uh, because they've done a really good job of making sure they have the money to move forward and sign players. But like Mr. Corey brought up in chat earlier, in 2023, the Fortiers have a lot of free agents on the defensive line. In fact, they have a lot of free agents everywhere. So they have a lot of decisions that they have to make. Trey Lance's rookie pay scale helps, but also getting Jimmy Garoppolo off the books would help as well. So the Fortiers have to make that decision, but that's entirely possible. They could keep Jimmy Garoppolo. We do know he's the best backup quarterback option they have, and it's not even close. He's the best backup option in the entire league. So having Jimmy Garoppolo on your roster makes sense football-wise. Does it make sense financially? I think that's one of the things they have to uh, think about and then you know come to an agreement on. And 49ers Fogey says, make Sudfeld, he said Sudafed, a coach. Uh, I don't think Suda, I don't think Sudfeld's ready for that yet. Maybe not. Um, oh, and, and KNDR says, they just revealed Trent Williams as 14 on the top 100. I thought he was going to be in the top five. Oh, that's ridiculous. And Lee says if Jimmy takes a pay cut, he would have to put some sort of trade approval in the restructure. You're right. He would. He would have to do that. I'm, I'm sure he would want that to be able to approve any trade that comes down the line. We don't know if the 49ers would be willing to do that. Brad Jones says if you can, check out Mark Sanchez on Cowherd last Friday. Maybe feel so much better about Trey. Y'all have to check that out. I always like listening to a different people's perspective, especially the guy who's the king of the butt fumble. Uh, no, I, I like Mark Sanchez. He's a good guy. Uh, Kali says, Ant, did you see Debo was ranked 19th in the top 100 and Trent was 14th? Disrespectful. 
I did not see that. I thought both of those guys were top 10. And I thought Trent Williams is going to be top five. Wow. Uh, the 49ers were definitely disrespected on where they were at on this list. From them, I'm, I mean, if you didn't need fuel, Debo got, got even more fuel now. Trent Williams, I, I think he's he understands that he should be higher than that. So, yeah, go ahead and make my guys upset. Go ahead and make the 49ers upset, and let's see what happens. Uh, and Lou says, Aunt, sorry, open a can of worms. Ah, don't worry about it, Lou. Uh, that's what we're here for. We're here to have these conversations. I don't mind. And usually, until Jimmy Garoppolo and everyone gets moved, these are the conversations that are going to be there. Uh, it's just it is. And Jason says the top 100 is a joke. Yeah. And Mr. Corey says, yeah, Tossin, Eman, Aziz Alshire, Greenlaw, Jimmy Ward, McGlinchey, run skill in free agency uh, with 90% of the D-line. It, it's, it's a lot of guys. Uh, that's why the Foyers have so much free money next year because they, you know, th this is their opportunity. I, I think they'll bring some of those guys back. But you're right, E-Man, Aziz Alshire will probably be gone. Uh, Jimmy Ward could be as well. I think Dre Greenlaw or Aziz, one of them will come back. I think it'll be Greenlaw that ends up coming back. McGlinchey could be gone, which you gave him the peace sign. I, I see what you did there, Mr. Corey. I see you. Uh, and Hugh says, the good news is that we probably know Jimmy's fate in less than 48 hours. That's the truth. It's going to come down the line. And just so everyone knows that's watching, I will be coming on Tuesday. I'm going to go through it all with you guys. So I'm going to try to do it as the cuts are coming out. So I think they're going to, you know, they'll probably trickle out a little bit during the day. So if it starts happening early, I'll jump on earlier. But for sure, by 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, I'll be on live talking about all this so you guys can come into the chat and we can have a fun conversation as they are revealing who are going to make these 53-man rosters. It'll come out, you know, slowly. Uh, and we'll just go through it and figure out who's going to be on these teams. I think it's going to be interesting uh, for sure. Um, Tim Duncan says, I care about keeping Mason hasty and purdy after the three. I'm not worried. In in my breakdown, just so you know, Tim, uh, from what I saw from the preseason and everything, the guys, I did have them keeping Mason and hasty, not purdy. I felt like purdy could get to the practice squad. Uh, maybe he can't, you know, and I think that a lot of people have that thought process that you have, Tim. So, uh, potentially, you know, that could go a different way. Maybe they would move on from Sudfeld as two uh, million dollar guaranteed and keep, you know, Brock Purdy. I think Purdy could get to the practice squad. I think that there's a lot of quarterbacks around the league, you know, that you know uh, are still available. And I don't think you really want. I don't think a little a lot of these guys want to put Purdy as their backup quarterback. And a lot of teams want to only keep two. Claiming Purdy means he's on your fifty three man. I don't think that's what they want. Um, but. You never know. That could be only takes one team to fall in love with them. So just never know. <laughs> Brad Jones says Sanchez better than Sims when he is with Florio. I like okay. Okay. I like that. Roy says, I think all of us are excited about Trey Lance. I think so. You know, why not be excited about Trey's a young guy with tremendous amounts of athletic ability who has a good head on his shoulders, doesn't get too high, get too low. That's what you want from your starting quarterback. So I think he's gonna have, you know, moments where you're like, oh. He looks like a rook, and he's gonna have moments where, like, whoo, this guy's got some talent. I think it, you know, if he can find a happy medium, I think this team's gonna win a lot of football games. And I think that's exciting for sure. Uh, Mr. Corey says the the old we will cross that bridge when we get there, but throwing all their chips in on this season, pretty much. Yeah, I think that's a that was a good way to say it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tim Duncan says Giants had a quarterback injury, but they have no cap space for Jimmy G unless he restructures first. Yeah, they did have Tyrod Taylor that went down, I believe. Uh, they still, of course, has Danny Dimes. Um, so I don't know if they'd be willing to go for Jimmy Garoppolo. You're right. They need they would need some financial help. I don't know. 
If, if they were willing to throw in a high draft pick, I bet you the 49ers would eat a lot of that money. Then they could figure it out with a restructure and everything and defer that money or even sign him to a contract extension. Um, we'll see if they decide to do that. I don't know. I mean, we keep waiting for one of these injuries to happen and Jimmy Garoppolo to move, but we're starting to run out of time. You know, you look at the clock and it's like, oh man, we're almost there. We're almost there. Uh, Lee says, Sermon makes this team over Mason. No, I had Sermon getting released. I had Mason on the roster. I, I don't think they keep Trey Sermon. I'll be honest, I was out there every single day at training camp, and Trey Sermon had a fantastic training camp. Trey Sermon looked more explosive, more decisive, showed better vision than I ever seen him at any point in his NFL career. The problem was when we got into the preseason, it didn't exactly translate all the time. He looked less decisive, like he was thinking out there, trying to find the holes. And I thought that you know overall, Mason had a better performance, and Mason also had a strong training camp as well. If Trey Sermon would have done what he did in training camp in these preseason games, he would have been a lock to make this roster. That's why when John Lynch's comments came out about Sermon looking, you know, having a great preseason or a great training camp, it didn't surprise me. But I do think they were trying to drum up some trade value for Trey Sermon. I don't know if anyone would ultimately trade for him, but in a trade swap, or maybe we trade a trade sermon in a seventh for a sixth, something I could see them doing if they needed to. Uh, so those are possibilities. Uh, Mr. Corey says, Daniel Jones has looked good, though. Yeah, it would all come back down to backup. I don't think you're going to trade for a twenty, you know, $27 million backup. So that that would not be good. Uh, and then Lee says, Tony, and pay most of the Jimmy's contract. Uh, I don't know if the 49ers would want to bring in another receiver. I think they got five guys that they really like. Maybe. Uh, Lou says, as much as you like Zakel, how hard and long does it transition take to center take? Is next year reasonable? Yeah, it's definitely reasonable. I would even say that during the year, depending on how he's picking up you know, all the footwork and everything, um, that, that is a possibility because it does take a, it does take a little bit of work to get used to having your hand between your legs as you're snapping because you can't really fire off the same way that you want to because as you fire forward, if that hand doesn't get to where it needs to get to that quarterback, you're going to get these bad snaps and put the ball on the ground. So you have to stay more stationary. Also, you have to get hands on the defender, especially when they put the defender head up. I think it hands on the defender, get the ball to the quarterback, which is the most important thing, and then be able to get your other hand up. It's difficult to do. It is a transition. What they did by moving him to tackle the guard, though, was start he, playing guard is easier than playing center. So they got his footwork and things used to him playing in the middle. It's different, you know, drops on your pass protection. Uh, it's different run blocking techniques. But working with the center continually at practice, you learn his roles as well. I think that was very smart by them. I think they could reasonably develop him all during the year. Daniel Brunskill could be the backup. He could be third string this year, all year. And then next year, Nick Sakel could be one of those guys that comes in and competes uh, to be a starting center in this league. That's part of the reason I value keeping him. And also, I think he's easier to get to the get to you know keep on the roster than you know Jalen Moore. I think if Sakel was cut, other teams would see that as well. Stash him as their ninth offensive lineman. And then go ahead and you know make him a big time player down the road. And I don't want to have our offensive linemen end up being starters somewhere else. We need all those guys that we can get. Mike Humphrey says I got six running backs, six wide receivers, four tight ends, and eight linemen. Uh, if yeah, if you do that, then you're uh, you got a lot of uh, a lot of guys, a lot of top heavy guys, and not a lot of linemen. Um, so that how many how many quarterbacks did you keep? That's 12, 16, That's twenty four. If you keep two quarterbacks, it's keeping six a uh, twenty six offensive players which means you're keeping 
you know, 24 defensive players, where did you cut? You know, did you cut along that defensive line? Um, I'm curious. I am curious, Michael, uh, that I, I like the six running backs. I think keeping six wide receivers is normally what Kyle would love to do. Four tight ends is the one that catches me a little off guard because you don't really have Jordan Reed, for instance. But if you can make it work, that's how it could be, right? I mean, it could be. I'm not going to tell you it it won't because that is definitely a possibility. Uh, Mr. Corey says, don't understand why Lynch thinks the rest of the league are idiots and he attempts to trade people when he trades people. Um, I think, you know, sometimes you do. Sometimes you try to get, you know, people to think certain things. Uh, and, you know, why not? Why not play the game? What's the worst thing that happens? You have to cut them? Yeah. You know what I mean? That that happens. Uh, Mr. Corey says, they need to trade up into the first round for the right tackle in 2023. I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, I think you can find value throughout the draft. I think there you don't have to have a first round pick. I think you could get someone in the second. Um, depending on you know what you're looking for. There was a lot of really good football players in the second round this year that could have definitely started a right tackle for the 49ers. I think you could also look in free agency as well and try to find somewhere. And Michael says safety was where I cut, unfortunately. That's understandable then. Yeah, okay. I understand that. Yeah, that's the thing, right? It's that give and take of where you find guys and, and move guys. And that's why I did the things that I did with Dante Johnson to carry Hyder, be able to, you know, keep, of course, keep Jimmy Ward, and put him on IR and bring someone with that versatility like Dante Johnson that could take cornerback and safety uh, reps. Uh, that that made it easy. It didn't look like po it was possible a uh, possible a few weeks ago, uh, but then you really get there. So, um, and then Roy Farmer says, "Is next year the last year we lose uh, first round draft picks?" Yeah, this is the last year coming up. Uh, the Miami Dolphins have the 49ers first round pick coming up in 2023. But hopefully they win a lot of football games, so it's the end of the first round, and I, I think that'll be fine. And Tommy, not excited about this team. He says we're gonna suck this year. So Tommy is, uh, Tommy is like water boy. We suck again. Uh, I don't, I don't see the injuries the same way as 2020. I mean, 2020, you lost guys to ACLs, you lost guys all over the place. This year, it's it's soft tissue things, hamstrings and stuff like that, which are normal. I think those things happen all around training camp. If you guys look around the league, a lot of people are suffering from those. Um, it's not fun, but the way that the new rules and the collective bargaining agreement, um, you just don't practice the same way you do. You don't have as much time to get these guys ready, and that's why some of these soft tissue injuries are coming up. I think they'll figure it out. Mr. Corey says, you're right. And they're better at trading and signing O-linemen than drafting them. You're, yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? I think that could be the way to go. You know, Identify a player you want to go after, and go ahead and get them. And because you're going to have the money, you could spend it. So maybe they'll go that way. And who knows, Mr. Corey, maybe uh, Mike McGlinchey would be healthy and have a fantastic year, and they'll just want to bring him back next year, which I know would make you extremely, extremely excited. So I keep hoping that one of these other guys is going to step up, a Spencer Burford, a Jalen Moore, somebody like that will step up and play right tackle. I don't think it'll be more now. I think he needs to be on the inside. So, yeah, some of these decisions are a little out there, but yeah, you never know. Right, you never know. All right, let's see what we got. Lisa still think when Cole Strange and Cam Jurgens went off the board so early, caught the 49ers flat-footed. It definitely could have. Uh, I think, you know, that there's been instances where the 49ers could have went for center. I don't know if they really want to draft centers. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Kyle Shanahan really wants to. I mean, last year the opportunity to get Creed Humphrey was there. They could have played Creed Humphrey at guard. And they moved him to center once Alex Mack retired, and they decided to go Aaron Banks. So, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like they want to draft centers. 
They want to draft other positions. They want to have veteran centers. Uh, this year, though, I think they thought Alex Mack was going to come back. When he didn't, they had to go with a different option. They audibled, had Brendel, they had Brunskill. That's what they decided to go with. But I think they thought Alex Mack was going to come back for one more year. I think they anticipated drafting somebody like a Nick Sakel that they were going to be able to train, you know, for a full year behind Alex Mack, and then next year he'd be able to roll. It didn't work out because Alex Mack retired. But uh, I think that's just how it goes sometimes. But I would like to tell everyone, thank you so much for jumping on the, the episode. It was a really good one. I was excited about this one, and we had a lot of conversation. If you're watching this after the fact, let me know what you thought about the 53-man roster pro uh, projection. Of course, it's a projection. Of course, I'm probably going to be wrong on some of this, uh, but we're going to find out here pretty quick when the final 53-man roster gets unveiled by the 49ers. I'm excited about seeing how this team is built and then ultimately the practice squad on Tuesday when it officially gets uh, announced out there. Join me on a live stream. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. It's going to be exciting. So thanks, everyone, for coming through. Looking forward to even more conversations with you. I hope you guys all are having a good Sunday. Have a good night. I'll catch you on the next one. Stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers.